Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter as we talk about college basketball, college football, the MLB, and of course, our signature segments, Mike Stupid Rules and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 119. Last week's AP poll, not this week, but last week's. Not one of the 13 all-time winningest college basketball programs were ranked in the top 25 from last week. Do you want to know what those 13 were? Of course you do. It was Kentucky, Kansas, North Carolina, Duke, Temple, Syracuse, UCLA, Notre Dame, St. John's, Indiana, Cincinnati, Utah, and Arizona. Not one of those 13, which are the 13 all-time winningest, 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 whatever, Teams were in the AP poll from last week. That's obviously not true this week, but last week. Boom. Fun fact. Obviously, it's crazy. We had alluded to this earlier in the year with another fun fact about some of the Blue Bloods, like Kentucky, Kansas, and Duke, which you see on this list. But it's there were some teams on this list that surprised me as well. Temple never would have thought that they were top five in all-time college basketball wins yeah they used to be really really good yeah i mean there's there's teams on there that you would have guessed like kentucky kansas duke ucla back when they were super good indiana Indiana, yeah there's there's so much basketball history just in the state of indiana itself uh but mike what besides well i guess for me besides temple what was your biggest surprise on that list i mean Outside of town, I mean, not really. If you know college basketball history, nothing's particularly surprising. I guess Utah. Yeah. That's U- biggest surprise, but. Utah probably would have been my next biggest surprise, but yeah, I forgot about Temple. Yeah, they used to be. Uh, so speaking of, well, I no. guess we should say the opposite of really, really good, and that is this Iowa State men's basketball team this year. And folks, we're we're it's just a broken record. It's it's not working. 0-3 this week in basketball games. Uh, the product that was put on the court this week was less than stellar, especially against KU in both of the games. The game against TCU, I believe we had the lead uh, going into the under four timeout in the second half. Um, that was squandered. Uh, it, it seems like most of the recent progress that this team had against the likes of West Virginia and uh, some of these games where they're starting to play teams closer, OU, other teams like that, it, it was lost after the T. I feel like the TCU was almost a demoralizing defeat uh, for this team that has been trying so hard to, you know, get their first conference win of the season. Uh, and it's just not working. Um, a stat from this week, especially against KU So KU, before the Saturday game, uh, KU had beaten Iowa State by 20-plus points in three straight games. That is insane. It was the first time that that has happened in history, in the history of this matchup. Uh, KU and Iowa State play each other close every year. That's, That's the game that Iowa State seems to mark on their calendar every year, back in the Fred Hoiberg days and even in the early Steve Prohm days people would camp out at Hilton Coliseum over a week before that game. It's just what happened. And now that game is pretty much a lost cause. It's 
It, this is Bill Self's worst team of his career, and his worst team is still 33 points better than Steve Prohm's best effort on the court. Uh, this is not Iowa State's best – this is not Steve Prohm's best team. His best effort is what I'm saying. I, I don't know what you mean by that. What do you even mean by that? Like, he's trying his best to put the team together, to get the team together. Bill Self's worst team of his career – is still 33 points better than what Steve Prohm is trying to coach up as like the best effort that he's putting forth. This 33 points is, is that's, a, that's a very of- weird way to say KU's worst team ever is still 33 points better than us this year. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's what it is. But you know, I a lot there is so many people after that uh, Saturday loss are calling for Prohm's head again or I guess not his head, but at least his seat as the head basketball coach. Um, So Wayne Morgan is a former Iowa State basketball coach, and his winning percentage at Iowa State was uh, .58 over three seasons. Steve Prohm's through six seasons is .53, and he inherited a lot of Fred Hoiberg's team for the first two seasons. so when you can't when you can't put together a better winning percentage than nearly 500, there's got to be a change. I don't know what that is, who that is. I don't know if they do it this year or next year. Uh, looking at Steve Prohm's contract, they were doing a little bit of it uh, this week on Twitter, uh, saying that really the only difference in firing Prohm this year as opposed to next year is about $900,000 uh, in uh, the potential buyout from his contract. So it's not that much of a difference to to fire him this year than it would be next year, although I could see the, see, um, the athletics department keeping him on just because of the lack of money that the athletic department has as a whole uh, right now. So we'll see. I'm not sure things are going to get any better. Uh, at least the first game of the week for Iowa State has been postponed again. Uh, they were scheduled to play Texas. It has since been can- or postponed to a later date due to inclement weather. So they do get a little bit more rest now. Um, we'll see if that game gets scheduled uh, down the road. So over on the women's side of things, they lost a tough game. Uh, at home against OU this week, but they absolutely dominated TCU. They won that season sweep. Uh, Lexi Donarski, or however you pronounce her last name, she was newcomer of the week for the Big 12 again. She absolutely was on fire from three-point range in that TCU game. Um, One of the – or she set a record for – Freshman scoring in a single game against TCU this year caught the eyes of Matt Thomas, uh, former sharpshooter on the men's side of things. It She's going to have a fantastic career uh, in aims similar to that of Bridget Carlton, I would say possibly even better, but we'll see as she continues to develop. But with that win over TCU, when we talk about the men's team, we see inconsistent play and inconsistent coaching on the women's side though 
It is the epitome of consistency. With that win over TCU, the women's basketball team is guaranteed to have at least a 500 record in Big 12 play. That would be the 19th of such uh, in 26 seasons under Bill Finley at Iowa State as head coach. Uh, that they will finish 500 or better in Big 12 play. Absolute epitome of consistency and doing it for an absolute long time. Uh, Bill Finley has been one of the greatest coaches in Iowa State history, uh, I should say. So if you're looking for something to watch, I'd highly suggest watching this women's team because they could potentially make some noise in the NCAA tournament uh, this year, but it will be living and dying by the three as they have proven so far. Yeah. Yeah. That's just the way Steve, um, Steve prone. Wow. No, Bill Fenley likes to play basketball, right? His teams always shoot the three a lot and they usually shoot it. Well. And so that, that's what you see from the way. But if you're like me and you're just sort of done with college basketball in general, um, for the year, you got uh, some good news when the Big 12 dropped the um, conference football schedule for the 2021 season this past week, um, which with Iowa State's non-conference opponent, which has already been announced, rounded out the schedule for 2021. So you can start mark- marking those Saturdays off your calendar right now um, as you're busy so you can uh, watch all those Cyclone games. Um as we already knew, the season will open um, at home against – it's you and I, correctly? Correct? The opening yes. game again? You and I is the first game of the season. Iowa is the second game of the season. This game is actually at home. Uh, there was an agreement after this year, the cancellation of the Cyhawk series, that it will remain as previously scheduled as the home and away um, alternates in – the years um, where obviously the Cyclones get it in odd years and the Hawkeyes get it in even. Uh, And then it rounds out with UNLV on the road. That will be played at the new Death Star Allegiant Stadium on the Las Vegas Strip, the Raiders' home stadium. So it should be a fun game for the Cyclones to get to play in that uh, shiny new stadium down in Las Vegas. Yep. And from there, um, Iowa State, jumps immediately into um, conference play, um, starting with a game at Baylor um, on September 25th. I'm already told that the equipment managers have put in a request for uh, tents on the sideline for this game. Um, If you remember in the 2019 season, when it was like 115 degrees in Waco in September during the game, and for some reason Iowa State couldn't have tents on the sideline, So uh, Cyclone Equipment is making sure that will not happen this year. I'm not sure it's as much of a request as it is a mandate this year. It's like we're doing it no matter what. Mm -hmm. Yep. And then after that, um, Kansas comes to Ames the week after that. Um, Then the Cyclones are on bye. They have an early bye week after the first two conference games. Then we rattle off at Kansas State. Oklahoma State at home, at West Virginia, Texas at home, at Texas Tech, at Oklahoma, and then we end the regular season with TCU at home the Saturday after Thanksgiving. Um, my initial thoughts on the schedule is it is pretty backloaded. That was my initial thought. I mean, I think that uh, outside of I think outside of Iowa State, two of the uh, 
three of the top four next top four teams in the uh, conference are going to be in those uh, final four games with Texas, Oklahoma, and TCU. I think outside of Iowa State, those are the going to be the three best teams in the conference next. So this schedule to me looks really, really backload. I don't know what you guys think. I like that though. That's preferable, in my opinion. I think it is for an Iowa State team that always seems to struggle early, right? It happens every year. They struggle early. So you got to. My concern with this schedule was when I originally saw it is KU is your second conference game right before bye week. But who do you have to play first? Baylor. My concern is that one of those two games could potentially be a loss. I certainly hope it's not Kansas because that is more demoralizing than a loss to you and I, uh, in my opinion. And this, is gonna be a, this team is going to open as a top 10 team. Top 10 teams don't lose to Kansas at home. No, but top, team, but top 10 teams could lose on the road at Baylor if they're looking forward to, you know, if they've come off three or they're three and oh, that could be a trap game at the beginning of the season. But I do, I do really like having Texas coming to Ames in the first week of November. I think that'll be a little bit of an advantage cyclones just due to the elements and Steve Sarkeesian's first time ever having to play in cold weather uh, as a head coach. Um, and then, you know, that OU game is as is stationed as a possible top 10 matchup dare I say, maybe top seven matchup into the season, that could be an absolutely intense game in Norman at the end, in the end, near the end of, uh, of November, I should say. Yeah, I would honestly not be surprised if that game is, is repeated two weeks later in the Big 12 championship game. Yep. Like, I mean, those two going into the year are going to be the favorites to go to the Big 12 champion game, so... I mean, to me, the first game I've got highlighted on the schedule, though, is that Iowa game. Iowa is going to be a top 25 team as well, maybe even top 20 or top 15. Man, the, so. that's that's the thing, though, is I I went down the list of uh, players and athletes and scholarship athletes that Iowa lost this year. I'm not sure I see Iowa as a top 25 team, but here's the thing. If you're Iowa State and you want to place yourself – as a as a uh, top ten team in the country, as a football program, you gotta finally beat Iowa. Like this is the year, right? It seems like it's almost a make or break year beating Iowa. This yeah, beat Iowa. I I'm obviously very excited about this team, but um, like I'll really really start to believe that this year can be really really special if they beat Iowa. Like. As a Cyclone, like, I'm, I'm a young Cyclone fan, I'm sure, to many of our listeners out there. But I have never seen the Cyclones beat Iowa in football. Like, it hasn't happened in my Iowa State fandom. My, what is it, six years now I've been an Iowa State fan. So, like, I just want to see him beat Iowa in football once. Like, and this would be the year to do it. So, go beat Iowa. And don't have too much, and don't have too much fun in Vegas the week after. That, that's going to feel like a home game for Iowa State, especially if they beat, uh, beat Iowa. I mean, Vegas, Iowa State football, top pop, probably top 10 Iowa State football in Vegas. You can have a lot of Cyclone fans down. So. Well, imagine what the tailgating scene is going to look like for this Iowa game this year. If tailgating's open, 
Is Las um, Vegas is Las Vegas gonna have enough bush light? Probably not. They'll probably run out. <laughs> They're gonna try and substitute it with a bunch of cosmopolitans, but you know, <laughs> Iowa fans or Iowa State fans don't take too kindly to that, especially people from Iowa. So But as excited as we all are about football season, we know it's a long, long ways away. It's February. It's minus double digits here in the Twin Cities and in most of Iowa right now. And like in like, it's like 40. In most of Kansas right too. Yeah. So we all know we're a long way away from football season. But what we do have to look forward to is Thursday is the first day of spring. Spring training, pitchers and catchers, at least for the Twins, report to spring training on Thursday. Baseball is here, people. Baseball is back. Pitchers and catchers are reporting. Position players will report the week after that, and spring training games will start here, at least for the Twins, in the end of February. We've made it through the long winter. Uh, Most of the free agent uh, players have signed, so it wasn't quite as disastrous of an offseason as we thought it might be um, for free agents. And overall, I'm just excited for baseball again. Uh, I'm looking forward to seeing those videos on social media, pitchers working out this week in the Florida sunshine because real teams uh, have spring training in Florida. Um, And yeah, I'm just so ready for baseball. So keep an eye on that. Uh, Look at all those uh, social media um, for all of your baseball fix this next week. Um, and once spring training starts, we're only, we're only a month and a half from opening day. April 1st is opening day. So a month and a half from opening day, enjoy it, get ready. Also, if your team is, uh, spring, does spring training in Florida, you're not going to have a very diverse schedule because they're trying to limit travel. So basically the twins are playing like half their games against the spring training games against Boston because they both train in the same city. So you might see, uh, lot of the same team in spring training but that's okay keep everybody healthy and get to the season get to the season um but until those baseball games actually start and we start getting some interesting uh rules coming out of those games we are going to stick with football for mike stupid rules segment and Wyatt is going to fill us in on a really interesting um scenario that uh, can happen in the NFL when it comes to kicking. Wyatt, what do you got for us? Yeah, so this is a quickie here. Um, basically, did you know that you can, you know, a punter or a place kicker can kick the ball barefoot without a shoe on? Did you know that was even a thing? Because I didn't, and I thought it was pretty interesting. I would have assumed it would be against the rules, like a uniform violation, right? How is that not a uniform violation? You would think so, but explicitly in Rule 5, Section 4, uh, Article 4, Item Number 6, at the end, it says, Barefoot punters and place kickers may omit the stocking of the kicking foot in preparation for and during kicking plays. Uh, that, that item is obviously talking about the stockings that players have to wear and you know how it has to be on their body. But it, it says right there, if you're a barefoot punter or a barefoot place kicker, you can adjust your stockings accordingly. Uh, which implicitly allows barefoot kicking and punting. In the 80s, this was a huge thing, apparently. Uh, the first barefoot kick recorded in the, in the NFL was actually in 1979 by Tony Franklin of the Giants, I believe. Kicked the first barefoot field goal successfully. Um, but yeah, this is a thing in the 80s where kicking shoes weren't really the norm. You know, nowadays we have these all 
these scientific hardened shoes on the inside that kickers wear that, you know, five grand a pop or something. That wasn't a thing in the eighties. And I guess some players thought it was advantageous to kick without a shoe at all, but there's your stupid rule for the day. Barefoot kicking is a thing in the NFL. You can do it if you're an NFL kicker. I don't know about you guys, but I would not want to um, be on a football field without a shoe. Like, I feel like I'm going to get stepped on by a 300-pound lineman's cleats, and then, like, I wouldn't have a foot anymore. You got to keep in mind, they did this, like, in the wintertime, too. Like, there would be snow out on the field. There's this guy rolling up with a taped foot because it was so swollen from the week previous of kicking. There's this really good video uh, from NFL Films on YouTube you can watch if you want some more information on it. There's some really disgusting imagery of a swollen, bruised foot after a game. Um, but, yeah, they do this all weather. It was, it was just the thing, I suppose. Uh, elder folks that watched the NFL back in the 80s could probably recall, but I didn't know this was a thing. I think it's interesting. Yeah, that is that is uh, bizarre. I would have never thought that, one, it was allowable, or two, that it would actually, you know, like somebody actually thought it would help. But you never know. Thank you for the insight on why kicking barefoot is not a uniform violation, since there's a specific exemption. Moving right along to our Write That Down prediction segment, where we are, where we hold ourselves accountable for our stupid predictions that we make somewhat regularly. But this week, we had actually no predictions um, to come off the board because we weren't that stupid this week, apparently. So moving on to our actual predictions from our accountability session, as always, Kyle will start by um, getting our first prediction back up on the board. Yeah, so the uh, Australian Open is very much underway. Uh, If you need a good laugh, uh, Wyatt and I recommend you go look up John Boy Media on YouTube. And the video that we are seeing is a fan heckling Rafa Nadal. Uh, Go give it a watch. It is absolutely hysterical. Nadal's reaction is pinpoint perfect. Speaking of Nadal, I am predicting that he will win the Australian Open. So for Mike and Wyatt, he is currently in the uh, quarterfinals, uh, and he will be playing a match uh, tomorrow, Tuesday, uh, the 16th of February for his place in the semis. I mean, yeah, he's probably going to win. The number two seed, correct? He is the number two seed. Djokovic is the one seed and still in the draw. But you mentioned that Joe, earlier that Djokovic might be hurt. He has a torn right oblique, I believe. But he hasn't withdrawn. He well, has not I, withdrawn, and he has quoted himself saying, don't count me out. We'll talk about Djokovic here in a minute, but just looking at Kyle's prediction here, like this seems pretty likely. I'd probably go with the double, to be honest. Yeah, that seemed, that's sort of what I was thinking, too, was a double. Kyle's yeah. looking reasonable. Yeah, perfectly reasonable. I was going to argue if you gave me a single for it. <laughs> I thought about it, but... Nah. Okay. I'm Still a ways to go. For my prediction, I'm out here to one-up Kyle um, from a prediction he made a couple weeks ago. So for those of you who didn't see, the uh, Royals um, traded for uh, outfielder Andrew Benintendi from the Red Sox here this past year or this past week. Um, He hasn't been good these last two years, but he was a really big part of the Red Sox World Series run the year before that. 
Um, I think I really hurt, liked, he was hurt pretty much all of last season. And I, I personally have really liked what the Royals have done this off season. And I've not been particularly impressed by the White Sox off season. Um, I am going to project that the Royals will be in second place or better in the division by the end of Kyle Preeby said they'd be third or better. We gave him a double for saying that they'd be third or better at the end of May. I'm saying they'll be second. Is that more worthy of higher points is the question we have to ask. And well, that's the question we have to answer, I guess, because I, I just asked it. Um, so baseball prospectus uh, announced their projected standings for the year. This was six days ago, and they projected the Royals for 70.8 wins on the season. So fan graphs for the record has the Royals at 70 projected at 78. Okay. I don't, I don't know. But, but that is in third place in the division, 10 games behind the White Sox in second. So I think overall the White Sox still have the much better team. So do the twins, obviously. The Indians um, pitching staff is going to be really good. Yeah. It's just, can they hit at all? Should we bump it up and give him the uh, next base? Give him a triple? I suppose. I think this is triple worthy unless you have any major arguments with that, Mike. Nope, that's what I was expecting. <laughs> no, I'm going to argue for a double. Well, I didn't know if he was going to argue for a home run. I don't think so. Well, if Mike's going to one-up Kyle, I'm going to stoop back to his level and say that Djokovic is actually going to win the Australian Open. <laughs> Yeah, he has a torn right oblique, but if we he hasn't withdrawn so far, I think he knows he's gonna be fine, and he's just kind of kind of playing everything for the media and you know getting his getting his teammates head, doing a little psychological stuff like, oh, I'm injured, and then he's all of a sudden come back and whip everybody's. Wait, hold on, I just want to pick something apart. He's getting into his teammates' head. No, his opponent's head. Did I say teammate? I meant I meant opponent. Yeah, you said <laughs> teammates, and I was I was gonna say you know first of all. <laughs> He does a play individual sport here. Mm. Boy, is this a triple or a home run, Kyle? How injured do you think Man, he is? Like, how I, he can't play with the torn oblique? But he has been playing. He's played his past two matches with the torn oblique. Boy. I think it's just strained, and I think he's kind of being whiny about it, if you want my opinion. He is one to play through pain. He did it Which with are, his knees and his ankles. My opinion's hurting my, my case, so I'm going to show up. I was wondering about that, Wyatt. If you could, uh, hey, I'm a truther. Man, I don't know. Boy, triple a home run. What do you think? I don't think it's a home run. I think it yeah. might be a triple. I don't – just because he's the one seed and, you know – Yeah, the injury – without the injury, it would just be a double. But with mm-hmm. the injury, I think a triple is worth Triple it. Uh, I like it. Do everything from Josh this week. He's doing good. Uh, he's cold, just like, you know, pretty much everybody else in the Midwest right now. But uh, he does not have a prediction. Next season, we're going to make that illegal at some point. Maybe we'll talk about that next week, modifying the rules to write that down predictions. But for now, that is completely valid. And with a double and two triples, we are at the end of the write that down prediction segment, which means we are at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening to episode 119 of the 8311 cast. Hope to get you back here again next week. But in the meantime, feel free to check out our Instagram at 8311cast. That's 8311cast. 8311cast. Signing off for the 8311cast. We your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter. We'll talk to you again next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones.